0: Welcome to the Two Marketeers Podcast, where marketing swashbucklers Sean and Lindsay seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing.
1: Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds.
0: And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay. Wow! Yeah! Woo! Check
1: this thing. Hello. Hello. hello hello good morning
0: good morning and this hi, bright Lindsay. and
1: sunny morning hi how when are I, you sean patrick
0: <laughs> i'm great lindsey b i
1: think that how should be how are you a, sean patrick
0: good i think that should be your you know like samantha b you're lindsey b yeah
1: we've said this on another one where we went into cardi b
0: i know but i'm just really pushing it because i, I hope you're, you're okay with me divulging the first letter of your middle name
1: my middle name is blair
0: yeah that's a pretty cool name
1: i love that name i was named after all your names
0: have been good my middle name
1: was after a street that my parents drove down every day to work while my mom was pregnant with me really (laughs) that's where that comes from blair road
0: is a nice it's lovely it's lovely
1: it's like in the beautiful part of galt like cambridge area
0: Ooh.
1: Mhm. By Langdon Hall, so it's quite fancy. Oh my! I could move there, yes, I could move there. Okay. That would be nice. So, how's your morning starting, Sean? What's new?
0: Uh, it's great. What's new? Lots is new. Where you and I are so pumped about this podcast. It's a beautiful day. Is it a beautiful day where you are? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Classic Sean Wittery. Yes, it is beautiful where I am. Wittery, ha- I love that. <laughs> Wittery. Is that a word? it is now now. classic (laughs) witchery take that away i will um yeah no it's beautiful where i am i am like so fired up today as you may have been able to tell by my earlier jab jibba jabs
0: the spice (laughs) i could smell the spice
1: (laughs) i know it's not only pumpkin spice latte season but it is also podcast spice sassy season
0: podcast spice lindsay Can I get a Venti Podcast Spice Lindsay, please, to go? Sure
1: can. Extra foam? Coming right up. Extra foam. That's when I've had a big night out.
0: (laughs) I I love how you always talk about, like, you're such a party girl, and you're really not.
1: I used to be. She's in there somewhere. Actually, yes. So this is is actually why I'm fired up, and it is because the... uh, the party girl's in there. She's in there somewhere. And she just wants so to. So get ready for this, Sean, because I'm going to recommend a book to you. I think our listeners will really latch on to this book. Are you ready?
0: So we're we ready to fire into the topic of the day? Is that how my how I'm to take
1: this? This or is, is this... not about the topic of the day. Okay, witty yet. banter.
0: Back to it. Wittery. Wittery.
1: <laughs> this is part of the wittery section. Go for of it. This podcast. So a few days ago, a mentor of mine who's a magical mentor unicorn, wonderful woman, <laughs> recommended to me this book called Untamed. Have you heard of this? I this have book, not. book, Untamed?
0: I already forgot because you already called her. I, I have magical unicorn in my head. That's a book I would read.
1: Okay, magical Untamed. unicorn mentor? My We're magical back. unicorn mentor
0: yeah.
1: um, recommended a book to me called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. So she, yeah, have you, do you know her? I've heard the the author. Yes. So this is not her first book. She's um, written multiple books. She's a very interesting take and an interesting life. But this book, um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. So she recommended this to me a, a few days ago. And, um, as you know, I don't necessarily read a lot of books. I think also because our job is, yeah. And our job is research. And so I read all day articles and research papers and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But so I don't necessarily for pleasure get to sit down and read a lot of books. So I started reading this book. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, give it a try, start reading this book. And I cannot stop reading this book. So it's number one New York Times bestseller. And the whole kind of premise of this book or what it is for, she says, this is how you find yourself. Untamed shows us how to be brave as Glennon insists, the braver we are, the luckier we are. So it's such a fascinating um, book about women and Kind of finding your purpose and all of that type of stuff but not in that kind of soft and fluffy and g- 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 g kind of way Um she's such a fascinating writer so i'm i'm so into this book so for anyone out there who is looking for a new read or something to dive into check out untamed by glennon doyle
0: did you find it shook your brain and made your soul scream
1: yeah yeah i honestly <laughs> i feel like I've that's the main enough. quote
0: that's the main quote is it i'm like wow that's a pretty yeah, I think Adele quoted it. Anyways, I'm looking just on Google, and at first it says, this book will shake your brain and make your soul scream.
1: Completely, that, actually, I was though.
0: Say like, That sounds like what you're
1: saying. Yeah, it really has. Like, I think a lot of people feel this way, that the pandemic has been completely eye-opening in so many different areas, and we'll talk about today, I think, one of the areas being marketing and brands and, and how it's been quite eye-opening in that area, but also personally, and when you read a book like this... During a time like this, when you've been having these kind of epiphanies or micro awakenings, it's fascinating. So the book starts by talking about, um, she's talking about a story with her daughter when she's, they go to the zoo and they're going to see the cheetahs run. So to see how fast the cheetah runs and this cheetah has a best friend dog and it's like chasing the dog and this pink rabbit that it like shoots down the lane and so then the cheetah follows the rabbit and shows to the whole audience how fast a cheetah can run. That's the whole thing. Wait a and minute. Then,
0: Is that real?
1: Yeah. A cheetah run. Yeah. So if you go to the zoo, like sometimes they have these like showcases of the animals where they, you know, show okay. how fast a cheetah can run. <laughs> yeah. So it's real. Oh, like, so they're like
0: Lindsay, Lindsay, you're too, you're, you're, you're high. <laughs>
1: No, it's real. <laughs> the cheetah real. and the
0: dog are best so friends, and they chase the pink rabbit. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they had grown up together, the cheetah and the dog, as babies. That's why wow. they're best friends. So, yeah, BFF <laughs> cheetah dog. Have you not heard of this before? No! <laughs> so, Got it. anyways, so the daughter is watching the cheetah, and she's like, "Well, the cheetah goes so fast, that's so cool. And I'm probably butchering this story, so I apologize, Glennon Doyle. You were far more captivating than I am explaining this. So after, the daughter notices the cheetah kind of like looking off in the distance and all of these um, types of things and looking around and looking at the fence, and she's just talking with Glennon about, you know, this cheetah is not, is it not meant to be in the wild? And is it not wild? And I think she asks the zookeeper Um, Is the cheetah not meant to be in the wild? And the zookeeper explains that the cheetah has grown up in captivity, so it doesn't know any better. But she sees the cheetah glancing off into the distance, and she's like, I think that the cheetah does know better.
0: The daughter (laughs) cheetah
1: yeah like she's so the daughter's kind of an empath and we've talked about empathy on another um, episode of ours but she's very connected so she the daughter's noticing all of this like i do think that cheetah has the wild inside basically and so she brings it back to say in life especially for women what you keep thinking is i should be grateful i have a good enough life here and it's crazy to long for something that doesn't even exist this is the question or the the things that she's talking about to herself and then she would she says i'd say and then she says tabitha who's her daughter you are not crazy not crazy to notice like the wild or not crazy to feel the stirring of something that doesn't you don't even know exists she says you're not crazy you're a goddamn cheetah so like this is kind of the awakening where i'm like holy shit i'm a cheetah like it's like <laughs> You're having these micro epiphanies, I think, about life, especially during a pandemic where you're like, should I, do I have to send my kids back to school if I don't think it's safe? Should I not work from home? Like all of these different things that are making you question the way Right.
0: Like what's right all of a sudden, this is the new normal. That doesn't mean I should long for something I don't know what it is. Like everyone's talking about getting back to normal. Because it's the way it was. Yeah. It doesn't mean
1: it should be the way it is. Yeah. Completely. So I'm just like... Yes. And I'm all, I feel like this is how, you know, we, we've we been talking for years, especially about working freelance and being consultants. It's like just because someone says I should have a job doesn't mean I should have a job necessarily. You know, there's different ways to think about life. And so, what I'm is just a job, right? This,
0: yeah. A job has yeah, been I'm defined deep in the this last epiphany. Years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. Well, that's it's crazy. No so, why I'm why you only skimming the surface of this book, but. I would recommend to anyone, you know, who kind of feels this stirring inside to say, "Hey, you know, go read this book and check it out and, you know, take the time to think about it. And it's now, man. Now is the right time to think about this kind of stuff."
0: So it is a sort of it's not fiction. No. I love those kind of books. Um when looking well, on blankist
1: cool Yeah, the cool thing <laughs> about her is that she had written a memoir earlier yes. in her life that she is now kind of calling out to be bullshit. She's like, here, she's even quote some of the things in her memoir that were when she was trying to be the way life was dictated to her instead of designing her own life, essentially. Yeah. And she's like, this is some bullshit about what I used to write about how I used to be. She's like, that's not me. It wasn't me, and I just didn't know. And so I'm like, that's so cool. She had written a memoir and documented her life and people had, you know, fallen in love with her at that time and now she's like, I don't know. I'm I'm giving myself the permission to change my mind.
0: Yeah. And owning it, right?
1: That's yeah, like so fundamentally cool.
0: opposed to how our society typically works.
1: People don't do that. Like you say, people don't do that. They're like, "Oh, I had this other memoir. It's a number 1 bestseller as well. Like I can't go back on that. That's what I said." Yeah, you can. You can actually. <laughs> you can.
0: Go back on it i i love that kind of stuff where someone can relate it to a personal experience and that person like uh, brene brown's a great example is that they're on a journey they're not standing on a they're not a self-help sort of like here are the three ways to do this and that's the stuff that drives me crazy like the internet is full of it you know right. uh, as, as i went to blog school and you do all that stuff you read all this stuff and you get totally pulled in all these paralyzing sort of situations because you're told this is how you get readers You know, you always itemize number of things and and tell them what they'll get. And it's like, there's an aspect of that. But the whole world has become we've become such browsers in the seven seconds of attention span is like people look for solutions. So you got to tell them seven ways to fall in love or, you know, we always joke. I think it was from podcast camp where you were like the thing that triggered you that one of the first podcasts was you said there was an article that said like 63 ways to blah, 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 blah. Nobody needs more than five ways to do anything. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, like so I the 62nd way didn't help
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's the one thing that did, why did you waste my time for 61 other ways, right?
1: That's true, they always hide the best nugget as the 63rd way. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, like you ever got that far. I don't yeah. even think you read, like it's like, who's going to so, read that?
1: I know. All right,
0: enough wittery, we could go on and on. Lindsay, what are we talking about today?
1: Complication?
0: Com- yeah, I think I think that's what we were just talking about, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> the 63 ways to best do something? Yeah. Sean, I have a question for you. Okay. When did marketing get so complicated?
0: Funny you should ask. How did you know <laughs> to ask that? That's my topic. Um, good question. Uh, I have an answer. Uh, it's totally personal, but it's the historian and wise guy, Sean Patrick, um, probably in the last hundred years. Is that a good answer?
1: <laughs> Only hundred years to complicate something? I think that's pretty bang well,
0: on. It, yeah. Like the complicate, I call it the complication curve. Uh, I would say it started post-war, like post-World War II. Um only to say when when Lindsay and I always refer to modern marketing, she's definitely talking about, I'd say, like the last decade, right? Like the real sort of digital yes. focused. Um, and that's what makes her so good at what she does. Um, because sadly, 10 years makes her a pioneer <laughs> in her world. Um, but as a, as a person who you know taught marketing for a long time, I, I love to go into the historical aspect of it. And history dictates that marketing... Uh, has been around for a long time fast forward to the 50s i would say post-war the boom the baby boom we've talked about how economies usually you know the main driver of marketing and that marketing needs and what marketing, how marketing evolves. And at that time, I would say it was at an all-time high, the The economy, right? The whole economy is where the boom came. The term came both from the amount of babies that were born, but with that comes a very, very uh, robust economy. So post-war, what started to happen was, I would say that's truly when, when branding as we know it today became a thing. Um, the big companies like... P&G, Unilever, all that sort of stuff, brands became what we know brands are today, right? This this almost yes. living, breathing representation of companies that provided services and products that were probably of value to various consumers. At that point, what was happening due to such a healthy economy, more and more companies offering the same service or product were booming. And what started to have to happen was you know, brands, companies had competition and what they had to do is they had to create this sort of level or layer of connection with consumers to really connect on a deeper level than just buying a product that served a function and getting the best deal for it and making sure I can get it whenever I need it. Uh, It became much deeper than that. And that's when brands evolved to kind of, you know, connotate lifestyle and all that stuff. So that's really sort of my historical lesson for today um but now i feel like i i look at myself especially with launching you know a new company and and trying to do it for the first time you know not like a shoemaker with shoeless children but as a shoemaker who's really thought of you know how can he make sure his kids have the best damn shoes um i've done the same thing with my own <laughs> little company and it's the idea of like i struggle like it's freaking i'm an expert uh, or self-professed expert And I struggle. It's so bloody complicated. Like when I've set up and it's like, okay, so Lindsay and I, we're going to do this podcast and I'm going to do a blog and I'm going to do this stuff. I just want to know, okay, so what technology do I use? Okay, so what do I need to do this? Okay, what's the best way to make this live? Lindsay, is it not a little complicated?
1: It's so complicated.
0: It's bloody complicated and it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, because I think it's a combination of like fomo like you think you're like i have to be on facebook i have to be honest i have yeah. to be here i gotta buy all the media I have to, it's like a combination of needing to feel like you're everywhere in order to be able to capture as many people as possible
0: or, or at and, risk of losing them right like that's the right true FOMO. yeah
1: you think if you don't touch everyone at least slightly that you're going to get no one
0: so you try and reach everyone and you try and be all things to all people which is exactly the opposite of what marketing can do yeah. So that's kind of I, I wrote a a blog entry to, you know, my whole idea of wise guy is, you know, marketing uncomplicated because you read all these articles and you read everything that's happening and it just gets more and more daunting about, well, then you have to do this now. And, and you, you know, if you don't have a website, the amount of people come to you saying you still do websites and I kind of say like, mm, yeah, I, I still make shoes. Sure. Um but really where the opportunity is, I need to know that, well, is, is the website truly what you want or are you just feeling that that's whatever? And they say, well, nowadays, if you don't have a web, everyone says, you don't have a website, then you're doomed. And I am sort of like, exactly. But let me be the one to tell you that maybe you should save your money and maybe you're not ready for a website or maybe you're not even ready to be online. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a pretty steep, especially now with COVID. <laughs> but, um, it, it's, it's about you that. better be ready. <laughs> yeah, and it's that whole idea of market readiness, right? Um, are you ready? And, and, and that's where the branding comes in. And I'm I'm sort of charting that course for myself, identifying the struggle. Thankfully, I have the habit of looking into history, saying, look, branding marketing has existed not only for the last century, but like the, the, the act of communicating between a good or service and a consumer or a, a, a buyer, has been around since there's been an economy. I, I can't even chart the history of that, but thousands if not millions of years. That, like you've always said, Lindsay, the the exchange of value is really what marketing is to some degree.
1: Yeah, I think though when like when it starts to get so complicated is people are now, especially in today's day and age, like in six months into like a global pandemic in Can, well when it reached Canada, it's like. Ready for what exactly? So the, like when you <laughs> <Exactly>. say, <laughs> when you say, are you ready? And you're like, I'm trying to be, I'm in all the channels I'm supposed to, I'm doing the 63 things that are making me a better marketer. <laughs> like I'm trying to be ready for all the things. And, and you just don't know necessarily what to be ready for. Exactly. And when you don't know long-term what to be ready for, you pivot to focus on the short term. And that's when sometimes you can get into trouble.
0: Yeah, and short term usually equals a subscription fee, uh, investing in something you're not sure you need, you know, like a- that can apply yeah, to anything. If exactly. I want to buy a new car. Well, do you know what the car needs to do?
1: Well, that's the thing. I think we really need to start to focus on exactly what we need to do and why so that we can drive the performance of the brand that we're looking for.
0: So that's, I think, with marketing, people just have to understand that it's only complicated because you're not asking the very basic questions right why, why what does marketing need to do for you does it need to bring on new sales leads does it need to increase your business does it need to bring on short term gain does it need to change your brand like all that sort of stuff what you're hearing is you know the whole the whole theme is less is more the world has been shaken up and marketing needs to sharpen its blade to function much more directly to supporting business not just being marketing for the sake of promotions. How is marketing supporting your business? Just like, well, what do you need that car to do? And how do you know that car will be performing the way you need it to? It's the same analogy. So anyways, my whole thing is it's, you know, it's just validating my struggle. And I can't imagine the struggle of others is there's just so many people talking about, you know, return on investment and and it's all about investment. It's all about marketing is something that costs money. That's the first thing people think, right? You don't even start until you've spent some money and actually take a little bit of time to ask yourself those questions before you go into the car dealership. So when you go in, you're ready to say, okay, I'm ready to buy a car. I don't know what car it is, but I'm ready. Right. The thing that's complicated marketing absolutely is technology, digital, big disruptor. Um, but now the behaviors have changed. And now more than ever in 2020, Digital has proven itself. The entire consumer experience, the behaviors have fundamentally changed. We talked about that in, in Groundswell, with the Groundswell reference last week. Um, so now what, right? And, and what marketers are the ones that are going to make the right moves or, or, or are making the right moves?
1: Yeah, no, I think that it's, you know, because all of the, these things have shifted, it's that people are actually changing the way that they think about spending their money on companies and products, which is, I think, even the bigger um, shift for marketers and brands to say, okay, all of a sudden, yeah, digital increase because of the people change their habits. And so they need to think about where the people are. And people are shifting their spending towards brands and companies that share their attitudes and values more than just put a product on sale. So that's some of the big shift that's happening that requires companies to think hey if we're going to break through if we're going to capture attention in hard times and moving forward out of this because as you say people have changed forever we need to connect through our values and not just another promotion and there's a place for both but we need to be able to do both and focus on long-term brand building as well yeah and i think we've been seeing that i've been seeing that with clients for the last few years that you know short-termism and performance marketing have been taking over from brand building and the balance has been out of whack and so at the end of the day you're just driving another sale another sale every quarter every month sale 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 and then three years later you're like how come people don't love our brand it's like because they just bought your product on sale because you've you have know, been they, dating, you, you didn't tell you, them
0: you've been casually yeah. dating with them for the last three years and you know what someone else came along
1: exactly i yeah. love did you say so, short
0: did you say short termism
1: yeah so i was reading this article this morning i love um, that by work. Yeah. We love work. We they, love work. Um, yeah. Very good com- research company. So they had this article, 2020 is the year marketers are, are reinvesting in their brands. So I'm like, okay, everyone's kind of saying that. So what are you, what are you saying exactly? So they're talking about how marketers are reassessing their spending plans for 2020, embracing a renewed focus. We talk about focus, a renewed focus on brand building with long-term impact over performance marketing with short-term payoff. So Boom. they said a survey of marketing executives found that short-termism is the number one industry issue with 70% of respondents agreeing that brands have overinvested in performance marketing. So, Tactical, this is where right? you're seeing, yeah, it's out of whack because there were so, like you said earlier, there were so many companies playing on the field that they needed to drive so many immediate sales or they wouldn't have made an impact for the company. But now that people are shifting towards companies that share their values and attitudes, they're realizing that there's the lack of long-term brand building. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big big topic and a big Um. issue as a marketer, I completely feel for you, especially at some of these massive companies where everything is on the line. And it says, although this is kind of, you know, it's contentious, they found that there's a significant hurdle for for these companies and for people, including internal culture, marketing skill sets, and the need for better brand metrics, which I think is the biggest thing.
0: Brand metrics? You're,
1: yeah, you're able to huh. drive more convincing, easily measured metrics through short-term brand building than you can with the investment that's required for long-term brand building. So you can prove the performance of short-term essentially better or easier or faster than long-term.
0: So that's fascinating and that's, wow. Uh, Brand metrics, like, is that a thing?
1: Yeah, so these would be all of the things that you use to measure, you know, the long-term performance and impact of your brand, like loyalty, love, trust, um, all of those different types of things that can help you say your long-term brand building initiatives are working well.
0: I hear you, but I think 98% of the population don't even think of it that way because as soon as you go into measurement, it gets overtaken by marketing performance metrics.
1: Yes, but it's a shift in in the value of measurement. So you have to be able to measure your long-term metrics as much as your short-term metrics and create as much value in both within the organization to say, maybe this initiative in particular didn't drive sales today, but it's driving long-term brand trust over the next six months to one year that will leave us at the end of a recession being the brand that's chosen by people and not just another product that's commoditized and on sale.
0: Okay. So I'm going to challenge you there. I could imagine going in, you know, with all this great stuff and we're pitching, you know, this is how it works and they're all nodding and then they're like, but we don't know how to buy brand metrics. We don't even know what you mean without quickly becoming, oh, it's just like it used to be. We're just using new sexy language. Um,
1: Right. I think this goes back to actually so nicely to the very beginning of our conversation and our banter around, yeah, around vulnerability. Okay. So they say in this work article, and we'll post it in the notes of this, is that another issue, and I see this all the time, is a loss of confidence among modern marketers as to their ability to build brands. So there's a loss of confidence in that what they'll do long-term will actually work. Because it's hard for them to find the proof which would be the brand metrics. And I've worked with some amazing clients over the last two years who... You know, they just ask a lot of questions and they're not afraid. So you would be sitting in a room with your creative agency and your media agency and the media agency is saying, oh, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to buy this inventory. And here's what you're going to get out of it. And the client's not being afraid to say, I don't know what that means. And how am I going to measure that? And is that going to be something that builds the brand long-term or is this a short-term initiative? And I need to know all the details and I'm not afraid to ask the questions. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to be vulnerable because I don't have the confidence and I need to get it. Otherwise, I can't say for sure this is the right thing that we should do. It's like you say, helping you to choose the top five of the 63 best things to do. It's hard to know. And so it's around engaging experts and being vulnerable and asking the questions
0: it's so that, that you idea. can
1: get the right information.
0: It's that aura around marketing. It's totally a fear of sounding stupid because everyone thinks marketing yes. is this thing that's so complicated. That it's like, I'll just sound stupid if I don't know. And you're totally right. Like the smartest people are the people who ask the basic questions and aren't afraid to ask them. And mm-hmm. to go back to when did it get so complicated? And let's take a step back and kind of say, so where do I go from here? Is ask questions that only you can answer, marketer. Like, the, the, stop, stop putting it. Don't be afraid to ask them and ask them of yourself. And if you can't answer them, then no agency should ever dare to answer them for you. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's just like, like what you just said. Just ask the stupid questions. Do work with some pretty major clients, and it's good to hear that you know they're smart um, and they struggle, right? And they're not afraid to share their struggle. But I work with smaller clients. And because they're the business owners, they can answer. Like, they come to me and say, like, this is what I think I need. And I'll be like, well, are you okay? Can I ask you a few questions? And when I ask them those basic questions, what exactly yeah. are you looking for this to do for you? And they use soft, what I would call qualitative sort of things. And I'm like, hey, I'm all about the qualitative. But before you go qualitative, I need to know that there's something quantitative. So we're not arguing a year down the road when you're saying this didn't fulfill My objectives. And that's why I start with the quantitative and I force them and they're like, well, wait a minute. I'm saying I'm telling you, if you're not telling me that you're going to attribute a certain amount of sales or some kind of business growth or some kind of trend or anything, even if it is qualitative, if you can't address them, then you're wasting your money. And that's, right. I find where they get really thrown off. They're like, look, I just came to you to sell me something. And I'm like, well, I'm not going, like, I'm not going to.
1: I'm <laughs> not going to just sell you something unless you help me prove that it's going to work so that we yeah. can have a great relationship. Just don't yeah, ask to so see my even... financials.
0: Lindsay, just don't have to see the financials of my very <laughs> successful business.
1: <laughs> well, they even say in this work article that um, the respondents of their survey point to metrics and they say... Specifically, the need for better signals that brand focused work is having an impact and when you were just talking about language and can be presented in a business language that other members of the C-suite can understand. So it's like we need to focus on measurement. We need to ask better questions so that we can get better signals that say, hey, this is working, which would be your KPIs, your objectives, your measurement, all of that stuff. And then don't be afraid to say, hey, I don't understand the language that you're talking about, and you need to help me understand so that I can make great choices. I feel like that's what we really try to do with our clients is say, here's the area in which we need to focus, and here's the area in which we're going to measure it, and let's talk about all the questions so that we're teaching you along the way, as well as helping you get this project going and make it successful and bringing it to you in a way that you can understand well so that you can make great decisions about your business and we can help guide.
0: Yeah. This whole topic started when you sent me some research um, that I'm going to recommend back to you because I think you forgot about it. Um, But it's this article, it's this article that's that basically the whole theme is it, you know, it addresses sort of findings from a CMO, chief marketing officer, you know, we interviewed, 300 CMOs, blah, blah, blah. And trust me, no one is in a more dreaded seat in the corporate world than CMOs right now because you know they're the first ones with threatened budgets. Um, but here's the whole idea where I'll bring in your, your untamed kind of approach, which is you need CMOs who are looking elsewhere, right? They have to be looking outside because the majority of them are so focused on the cuts and how they're going to reduce their costs If you don't see outside of that, your marketing is not going to get any better. Right. Right. And that's what I like. It's like you need to be like you said, you need to be a fucking cheetah. I'll say to anyone who's responsible for marketing budgets, be a fucking cheetah. Otherwise, you don't deserve the title. This is going to filter out those who are like there's something else. We're looking at this wrong because when I read this whole article, it's all, you know, somewhat strategic, but it's strategic laddering up to their own economy right how are my budget's going yeah. to be cut and when they their success to them is bigger budgets success to them is not truly success it is not the things you talk about like brand metrics that's what i'm talking yeah. about be a fucking cheetah because right now this whole article thinks it's helping and it's really basically saying yes the whole less is more but the context that they're talking about is what are you going to do with less budget that's yes that's that there's no win to that they're looking at solutions after they've con- they've already cut their own budget, versus saying, "Wait a minute, forget what's going to cut. Like, forget what costs we're cutting. How are we going to do this differently?" This is not a strategy-driven ecosystem right now, except for the outliers. I would say. I feel like marketing in the last little while. I thought, what did you say? It's broken, or you said it's it's um.
1: No, oh, I said I'm broken. No, yeah. <laughs> so what did you
0: say? It's 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 out of whack. Right? Marketing is whack because it is all about this money. It is all about what are you going to do with the money that you have? Well, imagine, think of yourself as a true entrepreneur when you have no money. Right? Like, I had to start this company with, listen, I have a little bit of money squirreled away of mine. I'm going to put a little bit into it and I'm going to have to use it as wisely as I can. And see that if that works. And if it works, I'm going to start spending a bit more in the ways that I know is the right way to go. That's not marketing. That's business. Do you know what I mean? And and everyone has, marketing has become its own thing. And it's a money-driven thing. And I think that brings it all the way back to when it got so complicated is when everything was attributed to how much you were willing to spend. And we interchange things like spend. You know, what's your marketing spend? It actually... Should be an investment. Like at this point, if you're using the word spend, you're getting exactly what you paid for. Right. If you choose it as an investment, be a cheetah, your consumer has changed. They've changed their spending as a result of a fundamental change in need. Right? So it goes all the way to that. Then how are you going to get your head out of your ass <laughs> and stop worrying about marketing performance and start things like you said, brand metrics? Right? Right? That's right. brilliant to me. You're brilliant, Lindsay Wah.
1: <laughs> well, I really liked this work article. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the just... one
1: thing that I think is kind of cool, we are talking about even for your business where you say, I took this bit of money and I tried something and now I'm doing something else because I'm learning and investing and learning. They There's this quote as well from this work article that I feel like is really good to kind of wrap some of that up is, it says being cre- creative while re- retaining consistency of brand is key to unlocking the benefits of brand building from forging emotional attachments to driving long-term brand equity and sales influence. Test and learn may be key for companies looking to reinvest. Right. Yeah. And some of these, the simple takeaways from this long rant around needing to focus <laughs> and, and think about long-term brand building is. Did you just um, say long
0: rant? Okay.
1: Long rant, yeah, that's what I'm calling it today. It's a long rant.
0: Okay,
1: thank you. Is, you know, taking a minute to step back, asking yourself those questions, and like you say, being a cheetah and saying, I know that, I don't know what's right, but I know this doesn't feel right. So I know that there's a stirring inside of me to say... We might not be doing this right, so let's ask the great questions or talk to people who can help us ask great questions. Think about the metrics that we're trying to drive forward and put them in two buckets, short-term and long-term. Short-term being more those sales, immediate sales, and long-term being long-term brand building. And then put together a test and learn plan that can help you learn from both of those buckets and shift the way that you think over the next few years.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to close with the quote from the article I'm recommending back to you about the less is more is, you know, optimize for the future is kind of how they summarize. And CMOs tend to only consider integrating cost optimization measures after they've been asked to reduce their budgets. Right. That's what we just right. talked about. That is not strategic. Proactive. That's the fucking pink bunny. That is not the cheetah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead, CMOs need to think more like business leaders and keep the entire organization's financials in mind. Focus your budgetary efforts on ROI. Focus it on investing. You invest in your brand and deliver clear business value and your operation will be better prepared to go unscathed during times of economic uncertainty. Batten down the hatches um, and be prepared.
1: Yeah. And what do you want it to do today and what do you need it to do over the next two years? Yeah. Those should be the two questions.
0: What I want to end with is how brilliant you you've taught me a couple new words wittery really appreciate that <laughs> um short termism amazing trademark that one and uh brand metrics yes wow thank you for your gift
1: and thank you great chat today
0: thanks Lindsay talk soon bye that's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it.
1: If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwarketeers.ca.
0: That's thhetomarketeers.ca. Spell it out.
1: Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the two marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay.
0: Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy.
1: Yeah, I I know you would. We're not we're not doing that.